Welcome everyone to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me again as always is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy old man, we are recording this podcast here Saturday evening, uh, right after our 5 p.m. Eastern Standard live stream on Saturday. I guess that also is Saturday evening. But grumpy old man, we're going back to the format where we're going to be releasing two podcasts a week. Um, the live stream gets released there uh, as a podcast format on Monday evening. And then this podcast we're recording is going to be released here on Thursdays. And as Islanders hockey starts to begin again, and as training camp starts to begin again, maybe we're going to move it back to two live streams. I'm not sure. It just depends on you know how many people are actually participating there in the live streams if we do one during the weekday and as Islanders hockey does begin. But you know, until we get some Islanders hockey – in preseason starts, these are going to be more historical podcasts, Grumpy Old Man. I told you, I said, I want to you know, give you some creativity and let your creativity shine through because I have been the shackles, right, Grumpy Old Man, as you said plenty of times, to your creativity. So you took this project and ran with it, and I'm excited kind of with the idea that you presented, Grumpy Old Man. Yes, uh, I'm what you call one of the, a draft nick or a draft nut, somebody who just loves the draft in pretty much every sport and uh, certainly uh, in hockey. And uh, historically, I love to look back and see how we did. And uh, today, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at the sixth and seventh rounds in Islander history uh, of the best players, mostly Islander-centric, but there will be some in there that are, you know, maybe the Islanders drafted them, but they had more success elsewhere, as well as after the seventh round. And that's from the years 2004 and going back to the inception of the Islanders and uh I will say that it was very interesting to me. I always thought, man, the Islanders really draft well in the later rounds. And after the Bill Torrey era, era, that really has not been the case. And I was really surprised to find that out, honestly. And Grump, I know when you told me that this is your idea, number one, I was excited. Um, Some of these players, of course, you're going to be way more knowledgeable than I am. I mean, some of these players were drafted and played before I was born, Grumpy Old Man. So definitely you're going to have to carry the majority of the load on those particular players. But you're right, Grumpy. When you told me this was your idea, I started doing a little digging and research myself. And I thought we always had more players that contributed to our franchise and and to other franchises that were drafted with later picks. And I was kind of shocked that there weren't as many as I originally had thought. I mean, there are a few that everybody knows of, and I won't name drop anybody, you know, before we actually start going through the list. But I thought we were going to have a few more on this list, Grumpy Old Man. So I'm kind of with you on that. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I want to stop you. I know more about you and everything all the time, uh, not just in this particular subject. Uh, so Debatable, Grumpy Old Man. Debatable. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, maybe not. You know, who knows? But I want to kind of start off the list with anyone who was drafted after the seventh round. And that's from, 19, you know, when the Islanders started in their inception through the year 2004. Uh, and I'll tell you what round some of these guys are drafted. I'm going to go through, through some honorable mentions first, and then I'm going to give you my top three. Uh, and I, I think it's a pretty interesting list. And you see some of these guys were through the, the glory, well, actually, mostly the glory years, but some of the guys were also from some of the dark ages. And I just thought it was pretty interesting to see how it broke out. And uh, first, I'm going to throw you a couple of uh, guys who are honorable mentions. First one, uh, and one thing I noticed going through this whole process was that, my gosh, the players were smaller back then. 
Absolutely. Well, the game, the game has definitely changed. I mean, players are big, not only just taller now, they're heavier now too. Again, a lot more strength on our body, and that's with sports across the boards, grumpy old man. Yeah, you're right. I do think those players were a little bit smaller. I was kind of looking at the heights and the weights. I was like, oh, okay. I'm not sure, again, always how accurate they are. But, yeah, the players were nowhere near as tall and as large as they are in today's game, grumpy. Yeah, absolutely not. And, you know, you go back and you look at some of these stats, and it's like, my gosh, you know, I remember some of these guys, and uh, it's just so – it just it kind of warmed my heart a little bit, just, you know, going back and reminiscing. Man, I remember that guy. He was really good and uh, just just interesting. And first I'm going to go through – I'm going to go a couple of uh, who I call honorable mentions, uh, still had good careers um, in the NHL and for the Islanders. Uh, and the first guy I want to mention is David Volick. And, TJ, have you ever heard of David Volick? Grumpy again. Now, these are players that were probably drafted and played for the Islanders before I was born. I don't know a guy named David Volick. Okay. No. Uh, for a lot of the a lot of the fans here won't know David Volick, Volick but uh, he, was, he scored one of the biggest goals in Islander history. It was post the dynasty years, uh, and it was when the Islanders played against the Pittsburgh Penguins in uh, 1993, and uh, the Penguins were coming up being two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and David Volick scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 in Pittsburgh in overtime uh, against Tom Barrasso. And uh, the Penguins were absolutely loaded back then. It's when they had Mario and Yager and uh, uh, Barrasso was in goal, and they were they were a fantastic team back there. And Darius Kasparaitis was on the Islanders, and – he was giving them a hard time. It was it was a great series and really a great time. It was the last time the Islanders were relevant for the most part until just recently in the last couple of years. Well, they did, Grumpy Old Man. Remember, they did have that one little spurt when they did go ahead and beat the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs to go ahead and get into the playoffs, I think. And that was really the last time before that, Grumpy. Well, we lost, we lost to Toronto. Uh, in that series, but yes, that was another exciting time. But this was this was like the last hurrah for Al Arbor, um, and so it was like I said, it was a year that uh, later on we wound up getting beat um, by Montreal, um, and it was because Dale Hunter took that cheap shot on Pierre Turgeon in uh, the Washington series, and we beat Pittsburgh totally overmatched without Turgeon. And it was it was really fantastic. I remember watching that game and watching that goal, and the, you could hear a pin drop in Pittsburgh. Uh, but David Volick uh, was definitely uh, a player. He played six years for the Islanders. Didn't he only lasted one more year after that big goal? But he had 249 points in nine in 396 games. Uh, you know he was good. He was uh, from the Czech Republic, and. Uh, just a little piece of Islander history. He scored a big goal for the Islanders, and that's pretty much where uh, why he made my list. Um, you know, he was a pretty much – he's like kind of like Josh Bailey, 30, 40 points a year, you know. Nothing great. Just make – you know, but he made the list as uh, honorable mention. Uh, next is Marty McGinnis. Um, and Marty played uh, a, a few a number of years with us. Um, and he had a couple of, you know, 50 point years and 40 point, uh, 49 point years and 46. And he was during the dark times. Uh, he was also part of that team that beat, uh, Pittsburgh 
and he was with the Islanders through 1996. Uh, I'm sorry, through 1997, and wound up getting traded to Calgary. But throughout his career, he was uh, he played 12 years in the NHL, uh, and I always remember him as an Isle. And he's a guy who had 420 points in 796 games, 170 goals. Uh, a, you know, a you know a smaller forward, uh, more of a goal scorer type, second line, third line player. But I always liked Marty McGinnis. Uh, so he made he was drafted uh, in the eighth round, and uh, Volek was drafted in the tenth round. Just in case, I am going to throw those rounds out at you. Uh, my next honorable mention is going to be Radic Martinek. Well, I was about to say, Grumpy. Now, Radic Martinick is a guy that I know. You know, if I remember Radic Martinick correct, and again, my, my memory is a little hazy on this one again because I've been an Islander fan my whole life. But you know, again, that was during some of my younger time periods. Maybe I wasn't watching every Islander game that was out there, but he was definitely part of the organization back during some of those dark times, Grumpy. Absolutely, he was there during the Garth's uh, during the Mike Milbury years. He kind of reminded me a little bit of Thomas Hickey. Um, was always hanging around. Nothing. He wasn't great, but you know, I mean, not a goal scorer, but he was always on the team every year. Oh, Radic Martinek, he won't make the team this year, and every year he played. He wound up playing twelve years in the NHL, eleven years with <laughs> the Islanders. I was about to say he's one of those guys that find a way to stick around. I mean, again, like that's a guy who, you know might not have the flashy stats, might not have you know great offensive acumen, but definitely Radic Martinek. I mean, he found a way to stick around in the NHL and. Anytime you're looking at one of these draft picks that are later, I mean, past the seventh round pick, and even like in the seventh and sixth rounds, if you're able to get a guy who can play a substantial amount of time, even if they're not a huge point producer or they're not a guy who's you know the flashiest name in the book, if they're able to contribute to your organization for more than 200 games, I mean, that's an extremely successful pick, in my opinion, grumpy old man. Yeah, especially picking where you're picking. I mean, remember all these guys, and Martinek was an eighth round pick, all these guys were, you know, they're, you're taking flyers on guys you're drafting that late, honestly. And uh, so it was just it, – it was interesting. Like I said, he was never an all-star or anything, but uh, I give him an honorable mention because of how many years he played in the NHL and for the Islanders and drafted outside of the top seven rounds. So I think, you know, that wound up being a good pick. Yeah, most now, certainly, Grumpy. Yeah, and I have one more honorable mention. Uh, Bob Lormer, who was a defenseman during the glory years – uh, he was a member of one of the Stanley Cup teams, uh, the first one, where we beat those filthy Delphia Flyers. He was a solid defensive defenseman. Uh, and he actually, in his last year with the Islanders, he, in the award season, he was like, uh, got some all-star votes, if you can imagine that. It was the only time in his career. But he was a solid, a solid defenseman, and he was drafted in the ninth round. And like I said, he wound up playing 10 years in the league. Wow. Five, Five with the Islanders. Again, anytime you're able to identify it, I will, I will also admit this. You probably had a higher chance for these players that are drafted in later rounds to pan out and make an impact because I think scouting has improved and, and they're a little bit more knowledgeable on what players will translate to the NHL than they were, you know, 40, 50 years ago, grumpy old man. That being said, of course, it's not a surefire thing, but, you know, you're able to play 10 years in the NHL when you're drafted, you know, later on past the seventh round. I mean, that's, that's an impressive feat. Yeah. See, I'm going to disagree with you there because there were only 21 teams in the league back then. So you look at, if a guy made it to the NHL, he was pretty good. And from a guy getting drafted that late in the draft, uh, it's even more difficult. I mean, you just think about it. 
there's 30, they're going to be 32 teams in the league after next year. So that's like, you're more roster spots are available right. there. So larger cast and crew makes it. I actually do see it your way now, Grumpy. You've convinced me. Right. And then he, and then Bob Lorma wound up playing uh, one year for the Colorado Rockies who wound up turning into the New Jersey Devils. So did you say the Colorado Rockies? That's what they were, the Colorado Rockies. And they wound up moving uh, after uh, the 1982 season, I believe. And, uh, they went to New Jersey and Bob played for them for the remainder of his career. And I thought, like I said, he wasn't a big goal scorer. He's a solid defensive defenseman. And that's why he earns an honorable mention for me. Well, fair enough, Grump. I, you know, my initial reaction, anytime I hear the Colorado Rockies, I'm thinking the MLB team. <laughs> now, now I'm getting to my top three. And this is where I kind of made a little, a player who maybe was better. I ranked a little bit lower because he didn't spend as much time on the Islanders. And that's my number three is uh, Vladimir Malikov. Uh, he was a big defenseman at the time. I, he came over from Russia, and as a 24 year old, he was uh, six foot six foot four and like 230 pounds, and he could really skate. I mean, he was really really good. He was uh, fifth in the Calder Trophy race in his rookie year as a 24 year old, and he actually uh, got some All Star votes in his second year with the Islanders. Uh, he had 57, 52 points his first year and 57 his second year, which was a lot, particularly if he was a rookie. Now, of course, being 24 and 25 under this current regime, he probably wouldn't even have been able to play for the Islanders. No, no. If he, if he was 24 or 25, Grumpy Old Man, that sounds exactly like what the Islanders would be calling up to be a main fixture in their, in their NHL team. 24 and 25 seems like, hey, that's a good time to be a rookie. I mean, like, hey <laughs> – <laughs> well, he was like I said, he was good. I mean, most of his success, I always thought, I always thought much of him from Montreal, uh, even though his highest point totals did come from the Islanders. Now he wound up playing 13 years in the league, and he was drafted in the tenth round. And uh, you know, you have to remember when he was drafted. Also, it was before his rookie year, and that's when teams would take flyers on teams from on guys from Russia with the hope that they would come over. Well, the thing is that also always, I think, impacted those draft stocks because, you know, now teams aren't afraid to go ahead and put a first overall pick on a Russian player at all. I mean, like back then, Grumpy Old Man, again, this is now back in the, the late 80s, I think you said. But, I mean, that's – that's a, I mean, like, things were significantly different. A guy who might have a lot of talent would slip just because there were Russian. Where now, I mean, players or teams are definitely willing to – draft a player based off of where their talent and where they should be selected because they're not as apprehensive of those Russian players not coming over. Right. And he was a, he was a defenseman who could play in any circumstance, uh, could log a lot of minutes. I mean, when he was at Montreal, he averaged over 23 minutes a game throughout his career there. With, when he, was, uh, he also spent time with the Rangers, uh, spent some time, a little bit of time with the, uh, the Devils and the Filthy Delphia Flyers. But mostly Montreal, the Rangers, and the Islanders. Those were the three big teams that he played for. And I always – I liked him a lot. He just reminded me of an elegant player. He was not a goon in any way, shape, or form. A real solid defenseman uh, who could log a lot of minutes. And over his career, I mean, he scored like 346 points in 712 games, which is not bad. I mean, I, I mean, you can't ask for something more than that out of a 10th-round pick, honestly. 
remember, point production was not as high from defensemen as it is in today's game. So when you hear numbers like that, I mean, you can't apply it with today's standards where it's like, okay, we have guys like Eric Carlson out there. Again, like, you know, there was Bobby Orr back in the day, but Bobby Orr is a generational talent. Um, In the same token, you know, as an average on hold, defensemen didn't put up as many points as they do in today's game. Um, You know, goalies have improved, sure. But, you know, it wasn't as pertinent to have as much offensive production as it is in today's game and age. Absolutely. Um, now, I think there was more, a little bit more scoring early when he was there, but uh, before the butterfly goalie style came in. But he was a good, he was a good player and certainly cannot minimize what he did offensively. And he was very solid defensively. Uh, like I said, I always liked Vladimir Malikov, mostly with uh, Montreal and the Rangers more than the Islanders. He played two years for the Islanders, and he was really good here, and he got moved on. But that brings us to number two, and old-time Islander fans will remember this name, Gary Howitt. Uh, he was a little spark plug uh, out of Alberta, Canada. He was only five foot nine, 175 pounds, but I'm going to tell you what. He was fighting all the time. I mean, he had like 14, almost 1,500 uh, penalty minutes with the Islanders, and over 1,800 in his career overall. If you're, if you're talking 1,500 penalty minutes with the Islanders, grumpy old man, you're looking at close to 300 fights. Well, he wasn't just a fighter. He was an agitator. Well, I'm saying I'm saying, even with that, I mean, like you're looking bare minimum, probably 200 fights. I mean, even if you're throwing in like some game misconducts throughout the day and minor penalties, the guy was probably fighting around 200 times throughout his career just with the Islanders. Right. And he was drafted in the first year with the Islanders. Uh, the 1972 uh, amateur draft, and he played. He played eight games his first year, and I'm going to tell you what everybody, any of the older fans will remember Gary Howitt. Not afraid to drop the gloves. I mean, he was fighting all the time. I remember him battling Dave Schultz and Don Celeste, guys who were so much bigger than him. I mean, he was a real scrapper out there, and he was also part of our first Stanley Cup year against uh, the Flyers. So, and I was so glad I looked at some of these guys. I'm like, man, I just, you you know, you just kind of just brings back good memories. And he used to have that porn star mustache with the curly hair. And uh, I love Gary. Everybody loved Gary Howard. I mean, I was about to say back. I mean, like that was old time hockey, right? Grumpy old man. They've kind of moved away. They've moved away from fighting. They've tried to kind of, you know, eschew that out of the game. I'm sorry. They moved fighting out of the game of hockey and trying to, and, Dislook or uh, shoot that out of the way. Uh, but grumpy old man, it's uh, he's definitely a guy you love to see. The first, he was one of the first picks, or he was one of the first Islanders drafted, I guess the 10th Islander drafted in the history of, of the organization and part of the first draft. I mean, he was able to see a Stanley Cup. You love to see that type of stuff where he's able to see the mission and goal through fruition. Absolutely. And like I said, for any old time, old, old time Islander fans, they'll always remember the name Gary Howitt. As a, a fire plug. I mean, I think that's even how he was described as a fire plug. <laughs> uh, which brings us to number one for anyone who was drafted after the seventh round. And it's someone that I've talked about in this podcast before, a really solid defenseman, Stefan Persson. And uh, he's played for the Islanders for nine years. And he actually had all-star consideration four times. And it was actually the top 15 in the Norris uh, Trophy race twice i mean it just tells you how good he was defensively and also i mean he put up some points too he had 317 points over his career all with the islanders they didn't go anywhere else 
He had a year where he had 66, another year when he had 61, and a couple of years when he had over 50. I mean, that's good point production. He played on the power play, uh, and he was just really, really solid back there when he was teamed. Sometimes he'd be teamed with Potvin, uh, but really a solid, unsung hero uh, of all those years, and he was part of all four Stanley Cup teams. Uh, I, I, was about, I, I was about to say, Grumpy Old Man. Anytime you're finishing up in, in Norris Trophy uh, voting, and you're you know you're getting honorable mentions there as being a possible All Star, you've definitely had a successful career of being drafted. You know, later than the seventh round, that's for sure, Grumpy. And he was a 14th round pick. Wow! So think about that 14th round pick. Uh, like I said, Stefan Pearson, uh, unsung hero. I always consider him that. A lot of people don't think of him when they think the championship years. But as you know, I've mentioned him numerous times as somebody on those teams who gets overlooked. So definitely not a shock that he ends up here in you know one of the one of the better draft gems that the Islanders have found and located here in the seventh or later than seventh round pick. Absolutely, certainly on my list. That's for certain. Um, well, Grumpy, what do you have here for the seventh round picks? Seventh round, I tell you what. Thinking about how many times we've had seventh-round picks, man, we were not good in the seventh round. I'm just going to tell you that. I only came up with three guys who even were NHL players for the most part, and two of them played for the Islanders long-term. Uh, and the third one was someone who was drafted by the Islanders but never played for them. Uh, well, I won't say that. He had a cup of coffee uh, one year, but he had his big success with the Vancouver Canucks uh, particularly when they played against us in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, that's that's just how it always goes, isn't it, grumpy old man? <laughs> absolutely. And it's King Richard Brodeur. And uh, I don't know how he got the name King Richard. I think it was when he was in Vancouver. Um, but he was a guy drafted by the Islanders in the seventh round in the first year of their existence. Now, he was a goalie who's only five foot seven inches tall. Really? Think about that. He had right? to be a cat. He had to be a cat back there in that. Yes, he did. I mean, and that's that's what you get when you're that small. You better be lightning quick back there. And he would struggle in today's game for certain with the butterfly style. Um, he was certainly a goalie. He had to rely on his quickness and reaction time. And I remember when, uh, you know, we, we wound up sweeping Vancouver that year. But Brodeur was the reason why Vancouver got to the Stanley Cup finals that year. And I always remember the Mike Bossy goal where his skates are off the ice and he's shooting the puck. And I'm sure, well, I don't, I don't know if everyone has seen that, but uh, it's an iconic photo. I was about to say, I feel like a lot of Islander fans do grumpy again. I'm, I wasn't alive during that time period, but I have seen and I'm familiar with the goal you're talking about. Right. And that brings us to our number two guy, uh, someone that uh, played the tail end of – he was also part of that team that beat Pittsburgh – uh, unfortunately, had a myriad of injuries in his career, but uh, a rock on the defensive end, really physical, Rich Pallon. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Rich Pallon. Have you, TJ? Have you ever heard of Rich Pallon? Well, well grumpy old man. I, yeah, I've actually heard Rich on a few podcasts. He, um, an old, an all-time listener here. Uh, Thomas Price has him a few times on his podcast and the New York Sports Report. I listen to pretty regularly too. Yeah, but he's been on that. I, I actually just saw him an old legacy fight where he was fighting uh, Brett Lindros, and I'll tell you, he could definitely scrap. Uh, I'll tell you that much about Rich Ballon. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Uh, not going to score a whole lot of points for you. Rough and tumble. Uh, like I said, had a lot of injuries. It was mostly because of the uh, style of his play. But Islander fans remember him fondly. I mean, he played 12 years for the Islanders, but only 509 games because of all the injuries. I mean, now he had a boatload of penalties too. I mean, you think about it. For the Islanders, he had like over 1,500 penalty minutes in 509 games. Think about that. That's like three minutes a game, right? That's a lot of penalty minutes. I mean, he had a year where he had 242 and another one where he had 291. I mean, that's a lot of penalty minutes. Yeah, Grandpa, I was about to say, you're definitely racking up the penalty minutes. Game was different back then. Game was more entertaining, in my opinion, in certain aspects. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, he only had 77 points in his career in 631 games, but he did have 1,745 penalty minutes. But uh, when I think of Rich Pallon, I think blood and guts. Absolutely. And uh, I was sad when he left the Islanders. Uh, I'll always remember him fondly. Uh, like I said, just blood and guts. Fantastic. And number two on my list, which brings us to number one. And uh, I hate to say it, but uh, Dave Longevin, another one of the glory guys, uh, came to the Islanders uh, from Edmonton of the WHA. Um but was drafted in the seventh round, like I mentioned. And he had some Norris consideration, a Selkie consideration, if you can imagine that, and uh, actually had four times where he was considered like a possible all-star as well. Uh, super solid defensive defenseman, once again, played with Potvin at times. Uh, not a guy on the power play, but an absolute rock back there defensively. And he was a member of all four of our Stanley Cups. I was I was also about to say grumpy old man. I feel like a lot of these players, you know, talk about timeline. Um, the players who were a part of the Islanders organization, we won four Stanley Cups in a row. I feel like a lot of them were going to get you know All Star consideration because when you're producing like that and your team is so dominant, we've talked about it before. I don't think we're ever going to see another franchise or organization string together four Stanley Cup victories in a row. It's just really tough with the amount of extra games that they have to play. I think it's it's a real tall order. I think it might be impossible here. Well, it's not only that. It's the fact that with free agency, you don't get to keep players throughout their whole careers. Well, the only way players had a chance to move was if they were traded. That as well. That as well. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much movement on teams from year to year. Um, and, you know, they have the right to move when you should uh, be a free agency. But it's kind of hurt staying together for teams. I mean, I remember back when I was a kid, you had the same guys on the team every year and the, you know, the bad guys, the other teams who you had rivalry with always had the same guys too. And they weren't friendly. I mean, they go at one another every single game. My gosh, the Islander Ranger series, they were bloodbaths. I mean, it was, and it was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic anyway. I, I was about, we've talked about that before ad nauseum too. I mean, that's that's the reason why there were a lot of rivalries back during that time period. There was no free agency. It was, again, always us against them. You didn't really have to intermingle too often there with players that were you know on rival teams. You really rarely come across them or be teamed up and paired up with them at any point in time in your career. Exactly. And uh, like I said, uh, Dave Lott, and here's the thing. A lot of these, like I said, I went through every single draft pick of every single year. And it's funny when you look at it and I'm like, my gosh, what a great GM Bill Torrey was. And I'm not, you know, I, I dump on Lamarillo sometimes, but Bill Torrey was just a spectacular general manager. And the trades he made and just the, the players that he drafted, just tremendous, just tremendous. 
But that brings the end of our seventh round. And I know everyone is excited for the sixth, sixth round. And they're like, oh, you know what? There's a player on our current team who was drafted in the sixth round. Is the grumpy old man going to pick this player? Well, you're going to have to hold on because – well, grumpy, grumpy. I'll be honest. The sixth round, there's definitely a few notable players that fans who are are Islander fans right now, and fans who are just watching NHL in general are familiar with some of these names. So it's not just one player. There's definitely a few that we we selected here in the sixth round that should definitely go ahead and and spark some ears. Like, yes, I know that player. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I'm going to give two honorable mentions first. Um, one is a defenseman who played for the Islanders for six years uh, during some of the dark times. And, I mean, was he a great player? No. But for somebody who was drafted in the sixth round, I think he had a productive career, and that's Bruno Gervais. Um, I, I know you've heard the name. Uh, oh, yeah, Grumpy. Yeah, Bruno Gervais was he was a part of the organization. You're right. During the dark time period, most certainly. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate. Like anytime I hear like one of those names that are associated with that time, where we're like, a, you know, the laughing stock year in and year out of the NHL, just kind of get, you know, your blood kind of curdles a little bit. You're like, Ooh, yeah, I remember those time periods. <laughs> right. And, you know, and I'm also happy for the sixth round because then you're going to get to contribute to this podcast a little bit. It just shows you how bad we've been drafting in the seventh round where there was no one, who even made the team who was any good, uh, you know. I mean, we, we haven't we haven't had since even the 1990s, grumpy old man, a, a, a player selected in the seventh round or later that has been an actual contributor to the Islanders organization. So that tells you about how we've performed. I mean, Braddock Martinick, I guess, was 1999. And he, was, he was drafted after the seventh round. But there are not – it's, you know, we can count everybody on one finger. That's been drafted, you know, later on, the seventh or later picks that have been successful here with the Islanders or with other NHL teams. Absolutely. Which brings us to our second honorable mention. In the sixth my, round, that is. In the sixth round, correct. Rob DeMeo. And Rob DeMeo wound up playing 17 years in the NHL. Think about that. Now, I think he would be absolutely perfect uh, for us. He wound up playing, all right you know, parts of four years for us, but he would be perfect for our team now because he was like a bottom six guy who, you know, didn't do anything great, but a solid citizen knew what he was supposed to do. You don't last 17 years in the league without knowing how to play the game. And he did that. Like I said, he'd be perfect for our team now. And matter of fact, at his age, uh, I think he's 50. Uh, he'll, I think he's going to be 53 years old next year. Well, I mean, I think that Lamarillo will probably want to sign him to a deal and put him on the second line or something like that. Grump, I have a question for you. Can you get Rob DeMeo's agent on the phone? We got to let him know that Lou Lamarillo is interested, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> like I said, it was, I, I remember him playing a lot for Boston and Philadelphia for the most part. That's when I remember him playing. And then uh, he had, uh, like I said, he played for a lot of different teams. And he finished up with Dallas. But he was a solid, solid player. Um, you know, never put up a lot of points in the 20 ranges, you know, upper 20 sometimes. But uh, like I said, a solid citizen and a good player. You have to be a good locker room guy if you're going to last 17 years in the league. Most okay. certainly. I mean, you've got you've got to be definitely a glue and a blood and glut, a blood and guts type of player. I mean, <laughs> 17 years in the NHL is an impressive feat for certain grumpy. Absolutely. Now I'm bringing to my my top three. 
And I was about to say, every single Islander fan and anybody who's been paying attention to hockey, I want to say even for in the last five or six years, should know these players. Absolutely. And the first one um, played a lot of years for the Islanders, and then he was dealt to Philadelphia, um, but was a solid player here. And I think we got a second-round draft pick for him. Uh, Andrew McDonald, uh, he had 11 years in the NHL. And I think he just retired last year. Um, was a solid citizen once again. Uh, was he great? No. Did he play with us during the dark ages? Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, you need players like that too. I mean, I think he was teamed with Mark Streit a lot of the time. Oh, my gosh. When you mention some of these names, Grumpy Old Man, when I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do definitely remember Mark Streit. And yes, yes, Andrew McDonald. I, I don't remember if it was either for a second or a third round pick we traded him to the Philadelphia Flyers for. But you're right. He was he was another guy who's, you know, who had a very successful NHL career and just recently did retire. Um, again, never a guy who's going to put up gaudy numbers or points. Defensemen necessarily don't have to do that. Um, but, yeah, he was, he was a guy who was – Who's a defensive defenseman, but you know he, he also has. I feel like that that near and dear heart for a lot of Islander fans. You know, he's, it feels like not too long ago he was still participating. You know, as part of the Islanders roster. Yeah, and I'm going to say one other thing. Uh, Bill Torrey was not good picking in the sixth round. Absolutely not. And actually, he wasn't really good in the fifth round either. So you know, the fifth and sixth round, I guess he just took off, but he certainly paid attention in like. Uh, the seventh round for Langevin and certainly in the rounds after the seventh. I don't know. Maybe he got tired. Maybe he went out to dinner. I don't know what happened, but he wasn't good in the fifth and sixth rounds. Um, so, I mean, you know, it was nice to see Andrew McDonald get a little bit of love uh, as the number three all-time Islander sixth-round draft pick, which brings us to number two. Uh, number two is a player who was drafted by the Islanders, but – didn't play for the Islanders. And I can tell you before you even start getting too much into Grumpy Old Man, that's obviously Jared Spurgeon. Uh, plays plays for the Minnesota Wild. Again, he's been a very, very productive defenseman there throughout his his career. And you look at it, it's unfortunate he never wound up playing with the Islanders. Not a really big guy out there at defenseman. I mean, a lot of the defensemen are bigger in today's game. Uh, we are getting kind of a a resurgence there to smaller players because they're more nimble, they're more skilled offensively for the most part, better passers, better skaters, which is valued more in defensemen now, grumpy old man. But you're looking at another guy who's who's had over 10 years in 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 the uh, in the NHL, and for a defenseman, he's got over 280 points already. I mean, Jared Spurgeon is definitely a mainstay back there for the the Minnesota Wild. Hell, there are even articles and people suggesting that he should be the next captain for the Minnesota Wild. Uh it was a really mis bad mistake for us not for us not signing him. I mean, that was a blunder. I mean, you have to really think about that. I mean, that was just that was a that was a real mistake. I mean, yeah, he's five foot nine, and uh, you know, this was during the uh, I believe it was the snow era when we were drafting all the tiny defensemen. But he was the one guy who panned out and was the one guy that we didn't sign. I thought it was kind of dumb. I was about to say, he was he was one of the guys who definitely did more than paying out Grumpy Old Man. You can make an argument that, you know, when all is said and done, I'm not sure he's going to be the best second or the sixth round pick the Islanders have ever had. But, I mean, he could definitely be a close second. I, you know, when you're talking about number one, I think this should be no shock to anybody, Grumpy Old Man. I know who you have on this list. I'm going to make you admit it because I know you have funny little nicknames for this, this uh, captain of ours. Yeah. Now, you mentioned – if. 
his name, Jared Spurgeon had played for the Islanders, he would have been number one on my list. Absolutely. Because, I mean, he's been like a top 15, 20 defenseman for a number of years. And you can't say any anything like that about my number one pick, Average Anders Lee. Well, well yeah, yeah, Jared Spurgeon's always up there for the Norse. He's been up there before for the Lady Bing. He's always getting votes, and he's he's widely recognized across the league as a, definitely a successful player. But I'm sorry. Get back to Anders Lee. I want to hear some praise for, for our captain, Anders Lee, Grumpy. I know this might burn you. It's going to burn you so much to talk positive things about Anders Lee, the captain. Absolutely not. He is runaway number one for uh, all-time best Islanders sixth-round pick. And the reason is because he actually played for the Islanders where Spurgeon didn't. So, I mean, that's that's the only reason. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? I mean, and certainly for a sixth-round pick, Anders Lee has certainly uh, outplayed that draft status. Uh, he's he's been he's been wildly successful for a sixth round pick, and so is Jared Spurgeon. And if you think about it, Jared Spurgeon and Anders Lee were only drafted one year apart. Grumpy old man, think about that. I, you know, you talk about luck and success there in later draft picks. I mean, you snagged a guy like Anders Lee, who's an all star caliber player at times, and even Jared Spurgeon, who you know is on the fringe of being an all star caliber player as well, both in the sixth round. Imagine again if both of those players were still contributing to your team. Obviously, it's it's good to have Anders Lee on the team. Not a huge fan of the contract, not a huge fan of the cap hit, the amount of term, but an extremely, a wildly successful six round pick. And so is Jared Spurgeon. Yes, without a doubt. And you know, don't leave leadership out. Leadership out uh, when you're talking about both of those players either. I mean, you know, I you're right. I dump on Anders Lee. I absolutely do, and it's mostly because of that contract. Uh, which probably isn't fair of me, but I don't care. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, but certainly he's a leader, without a doubt. Uh, he was always best, I always felt, with John Tavares. Um, not a fit with Matt Barzal, but you cannot argue that uh, he's a leader, without a doubt, uh, the leader on this Islander team. I mean, what he did in the playoffs last year against uh, Washington uh, – kind of put the team on his back a little bit uh, in that first game. and uh, I mean, he had that hit, and I wouldn't even call it a malicious hit against Nick Backstrom. I think it was just kind of inadvertent, and he answered the bell when you know the fight came around. It wasn't like he was over there cowering away, hoping someone else was going to go ahead and, you know, fill fill the boxing shorts and, you know, f- you know, put on the boxing gloves. He said, you know, this is <laughs> this is my fight to tote, and I'm going to go ahead and do so. He's got unbelievable leadership skills, and – you know, the point production and everything he does on and off the ice for both of those players. But Anders Lee, definitely an extremely successful six-round pick. And he set the tone for that playoff series with that hit. And like I said, he's a stand-up guy, without a doubt. And like I said, I rip him for his play sometimes and certainly for his contract. But uh, he's been a, a tried-and-true loyal Islander. And I, I don't I don't think there's any debate on who the greatest sixth round pick in Islander history is. And I don't think there's anyone out there that's going to disagree, but I, I mean, I'd like to hear from other people if they think that, uh, you know, perhaps there are other players in Islander history in some of those other drafts who are more worthy than who I picked out. But I think you're going to have a tough time figuring that out. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> well, I, did, I did a lot of research on that, which is not really my forte is doing all that research. I'm going to tell you. 
So if I come off a little stilted sometimes, it's because, well, you know, all right, I'm going to give you the stats to back up my genius. <laughs> well, Grumpy, I appreciate you putting all the work in for today's podcast. And as you're going to do here for the next few podcasts, as we talk a little bit more about, you know, the gems that we have found and the upcoming, you know, picks where we'll be in the fifth and the fourth and the third and the second and then eventually the first round. So we'll be talking a little bit more uh, about Islanders history in that regard. And for certain, how I'm going to do it, like I said, in the later rounds, there weren't a whole lot of guys. But as we get, uh, you know, moving forward, we're going to find into the other rounds where more players make it. Maybe I'm going to break it up into sections for everybody. Where we're going to say, you know, po- uh, pre a certain year uh, and then post where so we so the people can get a feel for it. Because honestly, first round picks, how are you going to beat out at like Dennis Potvin and Mike Bossy? I mean, it's not going to happen. So I want to make sure that some newer Islander fans will know that I do show load for them also. But, you know. <laughs> Absolutely, grumpy old man. Well, I know this is a little shorter than our our, uh, our Monday release podcast, grumpy old man. But again, uh, the season hasn't started. And, and when the season does start, we probably will be uh, live streaming there uh, the on Wednesday, possibly. Um, for that Thursday uh, release of the podcast, Grumpy Old Man. But thank you for being a part of the podcast as always, and thank you for uh, giving us a little bit of a knowledge there, Grumpy Old Man, and sharing your insights on the best gems we've found there from you know past the seventh round, the seventh round, and the sixth round pick. Is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap today's podcast up? Yeah, I'm just going to say that it was a lot of fun for me to do this, honestly, because it brought back some memories. I, you know, popped on some YouTube videos and looked at a couple old VHS tapes that I still have looking at some old Islander games and looking at some of those players and reliving some of those glory years, which is always fun for me. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I know you don't know anything about the glory years, TJ, since you were nothing uh, at that point in time. Uh, but it was fantastic for me to go back and just, you know, just looking like, man, I remember that player. He was great. Look at how, look at the teamwork. Stuff like that. You know, podcast listeners, when Grumpy Old Man has to pop out the old VHS, we are in trouble. (laughs) Not me. Not me. Yes, the fans are in trouble, but not me. (laughs) Well, thank you, Grumpy Old Man. I do appreciate your time as always. My pleasure. Thank you.